I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello, welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Monday the 11th of June. We are going to be doing some more of our wrap-up of E3, everything basically that occurred since uh, Monday's episode of last week. But before we get to that, one of the biggest things to hit the internet last week, I think, actually, wasn't even freaking E3. It was Wreck-It Ralph. This has got everybody so bloody excited for, when is this coming out again? This is in uh, September, October? Not or is it even enough. I think it's even later than that. But my God, Not this looks soon enough. freaking awesome. Just looks absolutely like it's just going to be a blast. It's it's that video game movie that we always wanted, really. Honestly, it, it stays true to the video games and it has a speech from Zangief. How can you go wrong? What kills me is that they actually managed to get all of these these characters, get the, the licensing rights to put all of these characters in there. And I can imagine that was probably a logistical nightmare having to deal with all of those companies but it it sure paid off because when you're sitting there and you recognize all these characters it's absolutely hysterical as somebody mentioned who would have thought disney would be responsible for the first official crossover between street fighter and mortal Kombat? <laughs> so mal was saying in the audience that we're looking at november 3rd which is as we can all agree not soon enough Agreed. So, yeah, very, very cool. Also, today was the uh, developer conference for Apple. We're just going to touch on this ever so briefly just because uh, we got a lot of new information for the new OS that's coming as well as the new iOS that's coming out, and then they're updating their MacBooks. But they've changed the line for the MacBook Pros now. And as was expected, we now have a MacBook Pro that has the Retina display. So you're looking at a resolution of 2880 by 1800 pixels, so which is like significantly better than the pixels that are on your 1080p TV at home. You're, if you don't have a new iPad, it's kind of hard to grasp the difference in clarity that you get. It's a from, big difference. It's a huge, yeah, huge difference. Yeah. So to now be able to have that on a MacBook that also has an i7, a 2.3 i7 or 2.6 or 2.7, um, 8 gigs of RAM up to 16 gigs. It's got a dedicated NVIDIA uh, GT650M card with a gig of DDR5. We're looking at a very powerful machine here. Also, they understand that they didn't have enough ports on the old one. So this one has um, two Thunderbolts. It has two USB 3 slash USB 2s um, ports as well as your um, uh, an HDMI slot 
finally, which people have been wanting for a long time to, to, to be on there, and then uh, SD card. So there's a ton of power in this machine now, and it's funny because I've been talking to a few people today, and the old argument, again, that there's just no games on on the on Max is is just not the case anymore. There are a lot of games that are being introduced on those uh, those on on Max, and you just have to go to onto Steam to see that there are a lot. Plus, go to the Mac App Store, not the the uh, iPod or the the original app shop app store and you'll see that there are a lot of games and what's happening too is that as they've changed the architecture of programming for Macs and made it very similar to the programming that's in for iOS's then we're seeing a lot of ports of those games over to Macs now that you can buy them and play on your Mac and a lot of those games are phenomenal not because, oh, well, there's not a lot to choose from, so these are pretty good for what you can get. No, no, a lot of them are justifiably fantastic games. So now what I'm curious is, is as we're getting game developers for iOS that are updating their games or developing their games specifically with Retina in mind now, we're going to also be seeing that for games that are going to be coming out on the Mac App Store, which means that as new games are coming out for that you can get then on this MacBook Pro, they are going to look drop dead gorgeous. And games on your MacBook Pro are justifiably going to look a lot better than what you can get on the PC alternative or Macs that don't have the Retina display. So I just think that that's it's it's I love that that's the direction that they're going in. Still bloody fucking expensive. Well, again, that's a I. I am I, I buy what I need, whether it's a, a Mac or a Windows. I have mm-hmm. I have a Windows gaming rig as well as my Windows laptop, and I also have my iMac and uh, and then an old MacBook that the wife uses. And I don't mind paying more for a Mac. And part of that is because we've now gone through three Macs and I have nothing but faith in them. So and I love the hardware products as well as the software architecture for the OS. So I'm willing to pay more for it. The only reason why this new laptop, when I needed a new laptop, because again, the the old one was, the old MacBook is justifiably quite old and the wife is using it, so I needed something new. I went with a... Um, a, a Windows laptop because I wanted something that I could also do more gaming on than I would on a, on a MacBook. But otherwise, I would have paid the extra for the MacBook because again I have that much faith in the product. I so that's not being a fanboy, it's from a tech perspective, I I, I have a lot of faith in it. So for here, what you're looking at for two uh, twenty two hundred is again a fifteen inch, yes, but it's a freaking the retina display. You can't you can't beat the display that you're going to get with this. And then with the again an i7 processor, eight gigs of RAM and the the one gig sixty six fifty M you're getting a hell of a plus it's a solid state drive too so I yeah mean, and I, 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 give it, I give it on that <laughs> i give it on that but That's... it's like it's just it's one of those things where i i doesn't really sway me one way or another i like you like you i buy what i need um just right now i don't need a new one maybe when i need a new one maybe i'll come down to that never and, know and it is of course to buy to your means of course i mean if if you can get something for you know 650 bucks that's going to suit what you need then you buy that you don't spend an extra you know 1600 bucks on something um 
But if you're looking for a, a high-end machine that'll do a lot, especially when you're looking at, um, if you are doing any kind of video editing or things like that, when they were showing off what you can do with the video editing with this machine, having nine video streams going at the same time and without any problems, plus you can show off in the video editing portion, um, you can be displaying that at 1080p like there's there's a ton of power in this machine so if you are a power user then this is going to be a game changer in terms of like convenience and and when you look at the size of course so it's going to be interesting anyways so i didn't want to spend too too much time on that it's just i i do i am very interested to see now what game developers are going to do with this those that create games for the iOS and for the uh, the Mac App Store. I'm very curious to see what we're going to see co coming out of that. Uh, let's go to the E3 stuff that uh, happened after uh, Monday of last week. And before we get actually into the games and all that, I, I <laughs> we're talking about impressive tech. The Unreal yeah. 4... Uh, not just the, the video that they put out, but also the dev commentary where they ran through everything about it. You want to talk about a game changer. Like when this oh, yeah. shit comes out, it's going to be unbelievable. I could make a game. Yeah. <laughs> if you could use Photoshop, you can now make a triple A title. <laughs> what I like about it is, for me, it's kind of a huge deal that we're seeing such an update for the, the Unreal 4 engine, essentially, because... Western game development is so different than Eastern game development. In Eastern game development, they tend to make like new engines all the goddamn time. Like that tends to be where they're more of their focus is. Western game development tends to be on borrowing or purchasing licenses for game engines to make your games, which is why we see stuff like Batman Arkham City on the Unreal Engine, stuff like that. So this is a game changer because all those game companies that you know borrow from Unreal or you know purchase their licenses to use it. They just got so much more power, and it's ridiculous. Like, this thing looks absolutely bloody gorgeous. And the fact that they're, I, I want to say simplifying it a little bit, but the changes they're making to it would result in even faster game development. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I tried to screw around with the Unreal game development engine a little bit. That thing's fucking complicated. And I don't mean, like, complicated, like, you know, trying to get the bra off the woman the first time you ever try to do it. It's like nuclear science really, complicated. That's where you like, went? Why not? That's the comparison that you want Why to not? Use. Why not? Okay. But it's like nuclear science complicated. Honestly, Joe still struggles. I'm no kidding. No, I just rip it, it off the top. It's fine. Anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about yours. Oh, Leave my moves alone. Anyway... <laughs> But I think that's kind of an important distinction because like, it's one of those things where a lot of people have these fantastic ideas. It's just a matter of not being able to, to get them out or get them in that engine like they want. This just makes it that much easier. So we're going to see a new breed of game, I think, in the next few years. Yeah, it's it's really uh, impressive also from the standpoint of when you're looking at how they were talking about the actual tech specs required for it as well. And th in all honesty, they're nothing compared to what you would assume they'd be when you're looking at what's being produced here. But what really impresses me about this is the next generation isn't hopefully going to be just about the jaw-dropping graphics. Like, that was and still is the premier selling point of any game this generation, you know, the HD generation, if you will, is the graphics. So then being able to deliver quality graphics like this in a reasonable timeline, like you said, with the development behind designing the world and all that being so much simpler, then they can focus more on 
interface or AI, story development, cinematic elements. So that's what really excites me most about this technology is how much time it's going to free up for all the other important aspects of game development. Yeah, definitely. So it will be it, it'll be cool to see this. Uh, I mean, as they're talking more about it too, we're finding out that the are um, this is the next gen tech that they're talking about as well for the next versions of both the the 360 and the uh, PS3, which we are again was hinted often during the C3 that we will probably be seeing. Sometime uh, soon. Next year's E3, yeah. most likely. Well, they so, already have development boxes floating around for both systems, so I'm not I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So anyways, so all that just to say, freaking awesome shit coming from Unreal with that. Okay, so let's move on to what happened after our um, our episode last week. So we had, uh, we, we had Ubisoft, which came on. That's what we, we discussed. And then that same night, we had Sony come on. And then the following day was uh, Nintendo, who talked mainly about the the Wii U. And then the following day was Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo again for the 3DS. They had to be precious and have two days. Although that being mm-hmm. said, I wish that Sony would have done the same to give an entire day just to the Vita to give it more attention. Was the Vita well. even at E3? It was, but there was. certainly wasn't a lot. My they didn't, goodness, they didn't I, talk a lot. That was really disappointing. But uh, having seen it all now and and what came out of it, it's funny. I, some of the people have been saying that actually it wasn't one of the big three that stole the show. It was freaking Ubisoft, and I'm I, I'm not, not going to say argue. yeah I'm not going to argue with that. Um, my opinion was before all of the shows was that uh, it would probably be Sony that would come out ahead, and in my opinion, it is Sony that won it. But Nintendo could have, and. Nintendo, some of Nintendo's games that are going to be coming out for the Wii U, all of a sudden now, I'm much more excited for the Wii U than I was before. Oh, yes. So in that regard, they kind of won in that, but I still feel that Sony had a a far, far better show and a stronger showing with the games that they showed as well. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting like at next year's E3, looking back and realizing just what Nintendo did show this year. Yeah, they didn't have the fanfare, they didn't have the huge surprises, but man, every single thing they showed just it hit and that that was impressive to me yeah so i i was not as impressed with nintendo's casual stuff but then i'm not as much into those so i can respect that that's a huge market for them i do like that not being a sports gamer that i didn't have to sit through way too many freaking sports things and bringing out has been athletes to come in and play the games for y'all to see um but the things that I was interested in really made a huge difference in terms of, again, my opinion with what that Wii U is going to be. So let's break it down to some of the things that we saw for that and, and really liked because it's, again, I was watching the feed from game trailers a lot as a lot of people were and, and more so than ever in my life, I want to strangle Peter Molyneux. I've had it with his <laughs> well, pompous Well, that's ass. not changed oh, at all. Oh my God, that was so ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, but actually, all of their panel guests that they had were, were really getting on my nerves. And especially when they were slamming Nintendo after the Nintendo presentation. Because they're all, well, we didn't see enough of this and this and all. And it, and, and it was... And I was thinking, have you guys looked at everything that's going to be 
available, everything that they've talked about. Nintendo was the only one that had a next-gen console to show off at this point. Now, could they have shown it off better? Yes, of course they could have. But as with a lot of other things, there's only so much you can put in in that much time. So that's why they have the event over multiple days so you can have other things like we got a lot of dev interviews because again they kept saying well we're not seeing enough third party and but in the same breath they're saying well we're also not seeing enough proprietary first party games well you can't have it all there's only so much time again in that one hour presentation but when they're saying we're not seeing enough third party well Dude, we've got the freaking Castlevania, the the mm. Dark Siders mm. too. We've got mm. Aliens. We've got this Lego Undercover game. We've got this Zombie U, which is going to be proprietary, but still, like, there's a ton of stuff that's going to be coming out. And then if you went to their site and looked at all the games, yeah, sure, they made a big deal about Batman, although justifiably, it Christ, I I, yeah. I would consider buying it again just yes! to play through it. Exactly. That's how good it looked. If so, Batman was coming out this year instead of last year, that would be the version to buy. And then when you're looking Hands at your down. Rayman Legends, when you're looking at uh, Scribblenauts oh, Unlimited, phenomenal. when you're looking oh. at, um, what was the other one? Oh, the Assassin's Creed one. Dude, yeah, the Assassin's if I'm Creed. buying Assassin's Creed 3, from what I'm I've seen, seriously considering I would buy it on the Wii U. The Wii U, yep. So, I, like, I, honestly, I didn't see too much... Like, enough as, that it would Assassin's be a, specifically it, it wasn't but a, it it will do everything that the other versions will sure except give you the bonus in the middle so the only reason not to get it on that console would be if the controller doesn't feel good to play which i mean having never held one is hard to tell until you actually do but otherwise there'd be no reason not to get it on there you're getting an nhd anyway from one of my friends who has actually gotten his hands on a controller um, he says it's more comfortable than gaming on the iPad, and he loves gaming on his iPad when he turns it to the sideways. So you never know. We'll see. So, again, we have got some very, very strong titles coming forward. Now, we don't have everything. That's something that they talked to um, to uh, Trenton on when they when they talked. No, not Trenton. They talked to, uh, shit, who was it? The, 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 the lead guy for uh, EA, actually. I can't remember his name now. But uh, when they were talking to him, and they were saying, well, we didn't see you there we saw ubisoft but we didn't see you guys and he was explaining how yeah well we've got this we've we've got mass effect 3 which again an older game but if you've never played it um but he says that a lot of their titles are the sports titles that you see at a specific time in the fall so it wouldn't have worked so hopefully we'll see more of their games later on as the the console is out but again just looking at what there is there actually is enough so far from what they've said for launch titles that I'm really quite impressed. I, yeah, I mean, I, like I said before, it, I was not expecting to like the Wii U this much. Okay, so let's talk about some of the titles. Uh, you were talking about Project P100. Yeah, this was one that came under the radar. Like, I think they briefly mentioned it at the, the conference, but it's one I started hearing a lot about like the next day when people started you know touring the booths and playing it. And first of all, it's a Platinum game. And Platinum has made some of the most fun games this generation. Bayonetta. Games like Vanquish, Bayonetta. Um, Beautiful was, Joe. Well, that was before they became Platinum, but uh, what was the yeah. one on the Wii? The, the, the Mad World or something like that? Yep. Great. 
great fun games. And here they're taking a completely different approach, something we haven't seen before. It's kind of a, a Pikmin style game, if you will, where you play a superhero battling aliens, robots. It, honestly, it's a platinum game. It doesn't matter. But your attacks are used by gathering up the citizens. You have to save them. And then you can form the citizens into giant weapons, be they swords <laughs> or guns. And this is one of those games that definitely is going to use the Wii U technology. It's it's made with the Wii U in mind. It's not something that's being tacked on. And it's just, it's one of those games that I think is going to take a lot of people by surprise once it does come out. Uh, another one was the, um, the, the the Pikmin one, of course, that they, they let off with. Mm-hmm. I'm not a mm-hmm. huge Pikmin fan, but I know that, Joe, you you quite liked the other ones, did you not? Oh, God, I absolutely so, loved Pikmin. It was one of the games that I, I couldn't put down. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, seeing something like that, oh, oh, made me very happy as well. <laughs> uh, the Assassin's Creed we talked about, so that's going to have some additional benefits in terms of especially the combat stuff, which was fairly cool and then the big one of course is their zombie u title which initially we didn't get a lot of information for it but when they had their dev interviews later on and they talked about it and this is something that the the commenters said on on game trailers as well too that a lot of the stuff that was very very cool about the the wii u was actually covered outside of their conference there was just so much other news that came up and when they started talking the devs about the the zombie u and how it's going to play out and how they're using that additional screen it blew me away not just the concept of the game which is fantastic the 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 game is you are a survivor obviously and it's it's not a game about um, what you'll accomplish throughout the game and all that. It's a survival game, and it's all about how long are you actually going to last? Because you're going to die, but oh, yeah, how long are you going to last? And then when you die, which you will, you will start fresh again as another person who then has to go and hunt your old body down that is now a zombie so that you can get the survival backpack off of it which contains everything that you need to survive so the concept is great the concept is going to work a lot for people who only have a certain amount of time to play as well so you're bouncing in just to see how long you can survive and then when you're done you're done kind of thing so it's going to have a very nice feel to it and and fill a, a nice zombie slaying niche kind of thing but then when you look at what you can do with that controller and with the screen and whether it's looking for hotspots or or how you access your backpack is through that screen or when you are hacking doors or anything like that the implementation of the this the controls using that screen are what basically all devs should be looking at as the okay here's an example of doing it right because it just looks absolutely fantastic what i like most is since it's a completely separate screen the entire game is still happening while you're rummaging through your backpack while you're trying to pick that lock and that that brings the whole survival aspect to a whole new level because now you have to be you have to multitask. You have to like if you're looking through your backpack, you're looking through your backpack. You're not seeing what's going on. The game does not pause for you when you go into your inventory. And that's really, really nifty. We've had so many zombie survival games that I mean I think we've all been kind of a little meh when we first heard about it, but like stuff like that really excites me for this title because it's it's those little tiny things that make it that much more fun for me. Yeah. And and it is to it's it's creating that that 
nail biting atmosphere where you are, you're not again, pausing to look through your backpack. Every time you look through your backpack, you're taking a chance. And that's something that they were talking about during one of the interviews that I saw where somebody was too slow going through their backpack and they got their face eaten. So you have to keep that in mind and be fast and being able to look at your TV to see like, oh crap, they're getting close and move even faster through the screen is absolutely fantastic. Again, it's creating that really stressful atmosphere, but then they're also using it in other ingenious ways to again the lock picking the uh the safe combination thing the 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 heat sources the x-ray kind of thing they're really making the u- the, the best use of that technology which we also saw with uh with batman 2 how are you going to mm-hmm. be able to go through all of your your gadgets and things using that which i thought was fantastic because i hate having to bounce out and go into a menu for gadgets while i'm playing now it's like it's right there Bloop, there you go i thought the detective mode was really cool that and is well. agreed yeah that 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 was what impressed me the most about the the batman one yeah uh and then we got the lego city undercover game which when i when it first came up i thought eh, but then i watched the freaking thing <laughs> and the it just kept things, getting better it just it, it the the character is going to be fun to play. You can tell that they're not taking themselves too seriously, which they never do. The little Mario reference going down the the little drain kind of thing. Um, there was a lot of things. This looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice open feel to it. Kind of run around and do things. Really looking forward to that as well. And then the um, Colonial Marines looks like it's going to be great playing on the Wii U as well. So when there was a dev interview where they were talking to them as well. And again, we're seeing how they are going to be using that screen to give you additional um, function, not functionality, but like a different, it's going to be different than everything that's going on on your main screen. You can do different things. You'll have your map, you'll have the different weapons and things like that. It'll be great. And was that one of the ones that also had the x-ray vision kind of thing? I believe so, but I'm not positive. The big thing there was, of course, the uh, the motion tracker. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. But uh, but w- once again, and and that's someone that I, I want Gearbox doing a lot of work with that because I would love to see Borderlands coming out on the Wii U. There was no announcement of that, but if they're working with the dev kits for this to be putting out aliens, then it would stand to reason that maybe they are working on Borderlands for this, and it won't come out at launch with the other ones, but. Maybe it will come out later. And I think that that would be, I, I would pick it up. I would definitely, if I could be seeing all my weapons at a glance on the screen and then just be able to flick through them quickly and pick the one I want. Meanwhile, I'm still running around doing what I got to do kind of thing or, or in a firefight. And it's just a matter of click, click, click there. I want that. And then, oh, dude, that would be phenomenal. Work on that gearbox. <laughs> um, Darksiders 2 as well. I mean, looks like it's going to be phenomenal. Dev interview for that. I looked great. They're, 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 I didn't see a ton that they're implementing, but it's going to be enough to make it, again, more engaging. And then the Castlevania as well. So, I mean, and, and there's even more than that. I'm, I'm really narrowing it down. I don't know, were there any other games that really caught either of your attention? All Wii U specific? Yeah. I, Zombie U was pretty much the, was the, the highlight, highlight for me. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing right now that 
a lot of people are concerned about will just be the network backend for that. Because mm-hmm. again, you've got your, your Xbox Live, you've got your PSN, they're already Friend established codes. now. So Nintendo really, really needs to step it up and come up with something that's going to be comparable to both of those. In fact, better than both of those because we're looking at next gen. So they should be really coming up with something great. And that's what a lot of the devs were also saying. Like they, That's going to be a concern for them because when they're releasing their games that require a multiplayer of any kind, then they need to make sure that if they're spending the time developing for Nintendo for the Wii U, that the back end is going to support their game as well as live and PSN does. So that's the the only concern that I have right now for that console is that everything else I am 100% sold. And even if that's not the greatest, fine then that'll be where I play my standalone games. I'm fine with that. All right, moving away from uh, from that, actually, let's stick with Nintendo though. And I actually, I'm going to put you on the spot, Vince. I didn't put it yeah. in the show notes, but what were some of the uh, the games that stood out during the uh, 3DS specific conference that they did? Well, the games had to stand out because the presenters were yeah. I kind of oh I, wow. I zipped they through a Microsoft little bit and it was bad. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that dude that was just like one breath. <laughs> God, but all right. Anyway, they showed off some. I don't want to say some amazing stuff, but just like the Wii U presentation, they showed off a whole lot of really solid games. Uh, I mean, first and foremost for me was Castlevania Mirror of Fate, which day one by, no doubt. Uh, showing, and I have actually confirmed now, <clears throat> both Simon and Trevor are playable, as well as Alucard. So that's really exciting. You're going to be fighting Dracula with multiple Belmonts across multiple eras of the timeline. And it just gives so much depth to the game and what the future could hold for, you know, well, I don't want to say the franchise because there's only three games total, the this, uh, the two Lords Shadow games, but this was just really amazing and the gameplay looks solid, the story looks great. I have so much faith in Mercury's team with what they're doing there. Absolutely. Uh, be- beyond that, they showed off the uh, new Super Mario Brothers game, which... Very exciting, actually. It, it, it was cool, but... I... I don't, I don't know. Like, it's not your traditional Super Mario Brothers game. Like, it's not, you know, Rescue the Princess and that. They're, they're really building it up to, as, like, collecting coins. Like, that is your, your main goal as Mario, is to collect coins and do speed runs. And that's cool, because there's definitely a market for that. It's just not traditional, uh, what we would expect from a Mario game. But that's okay. Uh, we got Luigi's Mansion. Luigi's Mansion looked really cool. Phenomenal. Uh, I, I I loved Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube. So especially what they could do with the 3D there with the ghosts and the fun effects they can put into the game 3D style. That has me interested. Actually, the Luigi's Mansion on the Wii U was something that was looked really fun as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Epic Mickey, we talked about that uh, several weeks ago. Still looks fun. But... What really blew me away was freaking Paper Mario. Yes! <laughs> yes! It's so ironic that Paper Mario, a game that is more 2D than 2D, is probably going to make some of the best use of the 3D functionality because of all the different layers and depth you can do without having to render these full 3D characters. They could do some really, really awesome stuff with the tech. And if you like the Paper Mario games, this is just more awesome on top of it. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Paper Mario series, and that was one of those. Gonna when we got to this part, I was gonna 
really like highlight because it's one of those ones where I don't think people really realize how awesome these games actually are. And I think that Vince is right on the money. I think that what they're going to be able to do with the tech because of the way it's presented is just going to be absolutely phenomenal. I mean, they have my money the minute this is released. And what I find absolutely hilarious, like people were chomping at the bit wanting, you know, Monster Hunter or, you know, some other stuff. After the press conference went off the air, Reggie stood up and announced to the crowd that was surrounding him that uh, the new Fire Emblem will be coming out next year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that's another thing to be excited about if you really like some old school RPGs. All right. That pretty much it. They, they showed off some other stuff, uh, some Scribblenauts, uh, a few other smaller games. But I mean, those six, how many did I just name? They're, they're all going to be very solid, very fun, very well-selling games. And unlike what, what we've seen with some other studios, they're all going to be out by the end of this year. So that's a lot of games packed into just a few months. All right. So let's move on to some more console games. Um, one of the ones I was just talking about, too, Borderlands 2, we got to see a lot more of Borderlands 2. And there was a, an interview stage with... Stage demo. Uh, yeah, there was a stage demo and the interview with... Uh, what's his face? Um, the the uh, CEO for... Uh, Pitchford. Yeah, Pitchford. And uh, that dude doesn't... He will steamroll you in a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> and uh, But that's great. He, he's very excited about his game, and that's what you want. And so they had this fantastic interview with him where he talked, and they, they were showing more of the content of the game because you could actually play as all of the characters in this stage demo. So that really opened up the gameplay for a lot of people because before that we'd only seen two of the, the classes, the Siren and the, uh, the Gunzerker. So now everybody was having a chance to actually play the uh, the other classes and most notably, of course, the Assassin. And so yes. this was just... We got again to see how they're, they're, they really paid attention to the... Um, we got more story. We got... The, 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 they improved on the gameplay. For me especially, I was happy to hear. And we had already been told, although we'd been told by, by Claptrap. It was nice to hear from him how much attention they're putting in the PC version and that they want to make sure that everything's going to be right for that. This was... I was very happy to see this to the point where I'd actually... I had not yet... Uh, pre-ordered. I planned on pre-ordering it, but I hadn't yet. And when he was talking about, you know, the the collector's editions are actually going fairly fast, which I do believe it. So I actually went and I ordered my copy, my pre-order, <laughs> my collectors, so I can get my freaking bobblehead because I want a bobblehead. Oh, but don't worry, I'll be taking pictures of the uh, the gun case for you when we get it. Yeah, see, I still wouldn't do that. I, I'm the not paying sleeping inside of it. 150 bucks for a freaking. Hey, the girl case. wanted it. I'm oh, not going to say no. That's, that's fine. But uh, but anyways, yeah, I was really impressed with this stage demo. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean come on. Claptrap hacked a robot and danced it to death. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't think you really need to say more beyond that. But I mean, just bigger and better. That's, that's what I'm getting with Borderlands 2, and I'm happy with that. And I do like you're saying that with the Claptrap. You're actually questing with him part of the time here. So I like how they are. We already know that there's going to be some questing with some of the um, legacy characters. And now this with him, it's it sounds again more. And, and this we'd gotten some of this from from other interviews as well, where they they are for, for as much as they're putting new in and, and ramping up the gameplay and things like that, they're making sure to do the same with the story and with the RPG elements so that you are actually still feeling that level of immersion that you can call it a, uh, 
that's still an RPG type of game. So with all of the different specs, which you're going to have a lot more opportunities and choices with specs and, and how you look and everything else. Again, it, pff, I, I cannot wait for this game to come out. No, I was going to say, like, I was already I was already sold on Borderlands 2 from the beginning, but seeing those story elements plus the give and take between the characters, stuff like that, that just, that sold me even further. Like, it solidified in my mind that this is going to be a must-have game. Like, I was already going to buy it for myself, wasn't going to get the fancy collector's edition that the girl has or anything like that, and I know she was going gaga about it, but it was one of those things where after seeing everything, seeing the interface, seeing how the classes are working together, and seeing that give and take, especially between, like, Claptrap and the other NPC, that was absolutely hysterical, and it's something that just says, I need to own this game. I was really interested in what he was talking about with their end game plans and how yeah. they were doing something nobody had ever heard of before. And I, I don't know that that has me really excited. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I agree um, with the, what console you buy it for PC or for uh, console. Joe, remember I, no, I know PC you're for going for uh, the 360. I know that uh, PC for both. Actually, okay. both copies mine and the girls will be PC. Okay. And Vince, you're definitely getting the 360 version. I, I don't know because remember, I bought the PC version of Borderlands first. And, yeah, and you whined and, and bitched about it. Yes, I did. So I went and played the one that worked. Okay. Well, now he's <laughs> telling you, Randy's saying it's going to work on PC. You're not going to have to dick around with your Show router me. settings or anything. Well, just wait. Show I'll me. have it. I'll have it right away. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Beyond for a little bit because this was. Oh yes. Um, this Phenomenal. is how Sony chose to. You know, this was towards the start of their because uh, it wasn't their actual first one was it i'm trying to remember now it might have been their no, very was, first one it was, wasn't it? no no it was around the middle yeah. yeah no it was still early on because that's what they were yeah. talking about later on that this they they had a much more mellow vibe but quality mellow not just like the the bling uh of microsoft which failed so actually vince i'll let you tackle this it's just my God, uh, it's the latest game from Quantic Dream, who's famous for, of course, Heavy Rain and some of the other more batshit crazy games in history. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Indigo Prophecy was fucking awesome. But it's another game in that style where the whole concept of the game is kind of, I don't want to say questionable, but it's more interactive than, it's a guided experience, really. And, of course, what you choose to do affects how how things work out now they showed there's some more free roaming stuff in here so that was cool to see but just the tech behind this and the oh, story Jesus. where i mean it's it's la noir taken to the next level where we have basically inserted digital ellen page into this game literally <laughs> I, I gotta say how hilarious it was that at the sony conference they came out with this big news like oh yes ellen page will be playing the main character and then the video they showed was her sitting there staring at a wall for 10 minutes <laughs> But, I mean, it's this is the closest we've seen to a movie done as a game thus far. And I think if you go any farther than this, it's just going to be a movie. So, I, I mean, I'm just really, really excited to see what Quantic Dream, they have some of the most innovative ways to tell stories that we've seen over the last several years. And they are going huge with this story. And that just it really excites me. 
Yeah. I actually was fairly excited for this because I had seen the uh, the tech demo for this that was released a while back. And that was, damn it, I wish I could remember the name. It's the, the, the female robot. And if I can remember the name and if I can find the link, which I'm sure I can, I'll, I'll post it in You're the You're talking show. about the one with the Android? Yes. What the hell's the name where they, of that? Where it's... they showed the dismantling and the putting them yeah, together about yeah. the, the Android. That, yeah, I, think, I, I can't remember the name I, of it off it, the top of my it's head. It's jaw-dropping. It's it's literally yeah. it's 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 like a little short for a movie and it's this female android that is put all together and there's the the technician who's working on the android assembling it and whatever is talking to it and well you can see talk to her and she's replying back <laughs> and it becomes very apparent that there's a the the traditional the traditional ghost in the, the machine kind of thing she has her mm-hmm. own feelings and things like that and so then he begins to disassemble her because of this quirk. And then she starts to tear up and she's afraid. Kara, thank you, Malagash. Um, thank you. <laughs> quite excitedly. Kara! <laughs> I agree, Mal. It was freaking <laughs> awesome. And uh, and so anyway, she, um, she, she starts to freak out and she wants to live and she doesn't want to die. And so then he begins reassembling her and essentially tells her to, like, you know, toe the lines. Don't, don't. Don't bring attention to yourself. It was an amazing little short. Absolutely amazing. And when you're looking at the the, the tech behind it to create this, and that this was their proof of concept for this next game that they were working on, which turns out to be this Beyond Two Souls. So having seen that, that's why I was so looking forward to this. And then when you see this, and you're looking at the character, and you can see so much emotion in those faces, it's... I, I'm so looking forward to playing this game. And I don't care if it is primarily more of a slow game and that it's all atmosphere and whatever. I'll be fine with that. I'm it's, okay with that. It looks like it's going to have a fantastic story. It'll balance with your Borderlands. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we had The Last of Us, which they talked about as well because they have to, and that is Naughty Dog's new IP. And this, of course, looks like it's going to be a very cool game, different kind of post-apocalyptic game than we're used to, a few different things. Um, the gameplay on it looked like it was going to be great. Very visceral, very, very action-oriented in terms of like when he's fighting the guys and things like that. And again, graphics-wise, my God, did this ever look good. Oh, absolutely. looked absolutely phenomenal, uh, particularly the backdrops, like the the scenes themselves. Maybe not so much the characters. The characters, we got that same level of uh, animation that we sort of expected from Naughty Dog. I mean, it's Naughty Dog. I think it's even but better, the, though. I mean, if you look at the faces in this one and compare it to the... caliber. Oh, yeah, no, no. but um, that high caliber. It is, you know? but I think it's even better when you're comparing it to Uncharted. Because as, as great as the Uncharted's games look there's still something yeah. with the faces sometimes that That's are a little, a little off. off the eyes and the mouth and things like that and when you're looking at these guys oh my god it, it they tweaked it this is what i'm saying because it looks even better now what i but like i said like the environment though is what really like drew me in because yeah in that post-apocalyptic future you so used to like the wastelands or the gray areas this is completely the opposite these are lush so to speak, wastelands. I mean, this is nature reclaiming the world, and it's so cool to see like the vines and the water and the different uh, the funguses, the vegetation. 
it's phenomenal. Well, what it does too is it gives it that sense of time from when the event occurred. So you know that this is not just a post-apocalyptic, you know, the world just turned to shit. No, it did a while back and now they're living through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Vince? I gotta say not interested. I'm not quite I, I'm not that I'm not interested. I'm I'm not feeling it. And I can't believe that I'm saying this, but it's almost too violent. Like watching those action scenes, it's like you said, really visceral, but to an almost disturbing point. And I know that's what they're going for. Like they want to show just how hard and they have to fight to survive. But I don't know this game more than, you know, any other game I've played with, you know, obviously killing of enemies and whatnot. I don't know. It, it just made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know. It, just watching this video Nathan with the Drake dude getting kills his... more people than this before he's had breakfast. But yep. it's not as hands-on and he's smashing the dude's face in against the desk or at the end where the guy's literally pleading for his life and you see his head get exploded by the shotgun. I don't know. It just made me a little uncomfortable. Okay, but did it make you uncomfortable because of he's traveling with this young kid or did it make you uncomfortable because would you have felt the same if it was just the the main guy? Yeah, I, I really? it, 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 the game looks great and it's really interesting. I just, I don't know if it's something I would actually want to play hmm. for an extended period of time. I, I, I don't know why it's this game more than, like I said, anything else. But I know it just, it just hit on a certain level for me that it, it kind of didn't do it. Okay, all right. See, and for me, it's, it's the opposite because that's one of the reasons I like this game as well. Because in the future, like this, things are going to be brutal. It's about oh, survival. I, I, I totally understand. And I like that feeling. Like, I, I agree. I felt a little disturbed at some of it in the American History X kind of way. But mm-hmm. definitely definitely the opposite spectrum from you because, I mean, that just draws me further into the game. Very, very interesting to hear your take on that. I, I, it's, it's, I, I can't honestly really explain it. Like I said, I've played many games that involve, you know, horrendous mutilation of enemies. But... I, Something about this video just, un- it was unsettling for me. Okay, Transformers, Fall of Cybertron. You know what? I actually, I didn't go through every single video from E3, but I didn't see anything for Transformers. Were they actually really there? Oh, yes, they okay. were. All right. Go ahead, mm-hmm. Joe. You're not going to be able to contain yourself. What, about about Fall of Cybertron and how glorious the trailer was from E3? <laughs> Um, basically you have a, a, a brand new trailer specifically for E3 that shows off, um, more of the fight, but not just more of the fight. Uh, we have the Dinobots going against Megatron, um, and trying to break him down and things like that. But more importantly, you see Prime, Optimus Prime call forth Metroplex. And that in and of itself is absolutely amazing because Metroplex is a part of Cybertron. And seeing that animation of him basically being formed from the environment around them in the middle of the fighting, oh my god, it was absolutely amazing. Like, the fight the fight with Megatron was great. You see, you know, it looks like Jazz jumping on top of him. You see the Dinobots charging him. You see Swoop coming in. You, it, that's great. But seeing the look on Megatron's face and watching all the Decepticons scramble away from Metroplex as he's brought up, was just absolutely phenomenal like it was just oh so good i was wondering when he was going to make an appearance and here it is 
and seeing the, the the one of the big things they showed off they showed off several gameplay levels uh bumblebee uh they showed mm-hmm. off starscream who has this cool cloaking mechanic but they really showed off the optimus level where you are controlling metroplex and he's part of the mission structure and yeah they showed you know early on you know signal him for a bombardment and he just has opened up with his giant cannons like oh okay but then they showed, like, as Optimus is continuing to battle and he's kind of out of Metroplex's range, you know, he calls for more assistance. And he doesn't just shoot cannons. Shows him stomping through the battlefield, literally a skyscraper stepping over the gameplay screen. It was very impressive. And just not just that, but everything they've shown, I got to say, for me, Fall of Cybertron might be the best Unreal Engine 3 game I've ever seen, graphically I- and animation yeah. lighting everything i i think it's the best they've been able to put out <laughs> thus far when he's got him in his palm <laughs> in the trailer yeah you're killing ian by the way the audio i don't care okay, <laughs> okay. suck it up ian <laughs> all right so major excited uh what else we got devil may cry vince this is one of those games that a lot of people have been shitting on and I'll admit, when it was first announced, I thought it was stupid. Like, why are you rebooting a franchise that's only four games? And I'll still say that's stupid. But the result of that is something that's very interesting to me. Despite the fact that this version of Dante is, like, triple douchebag over the original, and that's saying a lot. Like, I hate this fucking Dante. But the world they've set up where... I swear, it's they live without the cheesy sunglasses <laughs> and Dante instead of Rowdy Rowdy Piper because it's what seems like a normal world but is being controlled from the shadows by these demons where they see, you know, there's there's poisons in, in, in the water you drink. You know, they're controlling society without overtly controlling society and that's what Dante's fighting against and that's a cool concept and just everything I've seen about the actual game itself looks like it's going to be just a hell of a lot of fun to actually play, despite me wanting to stab the main character repeatedly. <laughs> I've played plenty of games where I wanted to kill the main character, so that's I'm okay with that. I still like the fact that we we heard about it before when we were talking about this game, uh, when they first announced it, where it's the environment as well, like it's the city uh, that you're in, the buildings that you occupy that is also fighting against you because they essentially have the souls of demons in it. Like, it's essentially like a complete demonic city. And it was kind of cool, like the club scene where everybody phases out and everything distorts, and it's almost like you're in your own little pocket dimension. It's kind of really an interesting visual um, just effect in general. And seeing it here inside the trailer for the first time is really, really cool. Um, as much as I hate this character, it just, and really, I, like, I loved Dante before, but he is. He's just a cocky young kid. I can't wait to see it. Like, I can't wait to see how the buildings change and how the buildings attack him and, and, and things like that. Like, I just want to see the, the, the depth and nature of the corruption, so to speak. All right, moving on from there. Uh, we also got a lot of news on Dishonored. There was uh, a, a lot of demos that were shown for that, and they did talk about a lot of the things that they are doing with the tech and how you're going to have so many choices. However, it was funny when uh, when we'd first heard about it, I it, it did seem a lot more like it was going to be um, far more sandbox 
in terms of gameplay. And yet when you listen to the devs, they were saying, no, no, there's an actual progression that you're going to need to follow. It's just that in order to proceed, you're going to have a lot of different options in terms of how you can proceed. But it is still a linear progression in terms of story-wise. And and considering how many sandbox games are coming out right now, I'm actually really cool with that. I'm, I'm glad they're going that route. And, and again, very much looking forward to this. It's the Deus Ex formula. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So Yep. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Did you guys watch the next-gen Final Fantasy video? Yes. I, I think it might have been a fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Vince, run a Because I refused, I refused to believe that was real time on any hardware that <laughs> that they can come up with sort of Googled supercomputer. Because that was, that was on par with anything we've seen from a pre-rendered video. So far. It's, it was mind-blowing that if that is real time... I, ha- I, I seriously, I can't, I can't put it. Well, they the had words. to keep saying this is real time, <laughs> like just to <laughs> so people can appreciate what this is. And then when they said too that he made a change to it, and then just kept going, and you you can see the change that was made. Um, so yeah, like I mean, when you're looking at this video, holy crap in hell! Now make a good game with it. <laughs> yeah, but again, it's my a, thoughts exactly proof of concept kind of thing in terms of the tech that we're going to be using. Same as what they were saying mm-hmm. with Unreal Four. Wow, when you're looking at this, and this is what Square Enix is going to be using. Jesus Christ! Like we're gonna maybe their game animation. Like my God. Yeah, and when you're looking at all of the particles in that one part of it, where you're looking at min- millions of little particles that are in it, and I mean nothing slows down here. It's it's. It just looks gorgeous, gorgeous. So this will be very interesting to see what they do with it now. Obviously, the next Final Fantasy games are going to look drop dead gorgeous. In twenty, as long as the gameplay doesn't suck, <laughs> yeah. I'll be very happy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. What else we got that we wanted to talk about? In terms of uh, handheld stuff, we got a lot of uh, iOS game presence at E3 this year as well, which was really, really nice to see. There was a lot of games worth noting. They did talk again about Infinity Blade Dungeons, which a lot of people are very excited about. I was very impressed with what I saw for Asphalt 7 uh, Heat, as well as for Need for Speed Most Wanted. I'm actually more excited for the iOS version of Need for Speed Most Wanted than I am for the console version. It looks unbelievable i'm really looking forward to seeing what it'll how it'll run on my system and then field runners 2 which i mean i loved the first one so very excited for this and then there was some some new ips too like yesterday which looks really freaking intense and cool epic raiders which is going to be a nice little um rpg-ish kind of game to to play and then arcane legends as well so you're getting some games that are experimenting again into the mmo realm and having seen what they can do with games lofts done with uh, order and chaos which i had that installed quite a while back we were actually going to talk about it on the show it's an mmo for uh, ios devices and i was playing it on my um, my old ipad and i've since reinstalled it because they made some huge changes to it and upgraded the graphics and everything for the new retina display and the new ipad and i gotta say i just literally reinstalled it today and bounced back in and it is unbelievable how much better it looks as an mmo there's actually a lot of real 
really cool things with it. So then again, when you're looking at other games like these uh, Arcane Legends and Epic Raiders, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with... Uh, with the tech as well. And then, of course, the obvious one is Magic the Gathering, which we did talk about. Duels of the Planeswalkers 2013 is going to be coming out. But people actually now got to try it and mess around with it and see the improvements and everything. And a lot of people are saying this is the way to play this game. Like, it's just so natural to have the touch and and and, and move and everything from the tablet. It just, oh my god. <laughs> this was in my top five games I'm looking forward to, actually, from E3. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of cool because there are, there's another, and I can't remember, I think it's Nightfall is the name of the other one. Um, it's a card game uh, which is on the iOS, but also an actual physical card game as well. Um, or is it Ascension? I can't remember. It's one of the two. No, you're thinking um, about Nightfall. Well, Ascension is as well. I reviewed that one for this here, but yeah. uh, Nightfall is from the same folks as well. Yeah, but it, it's it's kind of cool because it it does it like it feels really natural. Like a bunch of the guys in my gaming group, we 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 have it on there, and it's really 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 awesome uh, because it is it's very natural and, and moving the cards around, shuffling through a deck, um, whether you're tapping the cards or not, however you're interacting with it, when you're doing it with your your tablet device is just it's like the next logical step because it does it feels so natural to. As far as sitting down, the only difference is you're just not holding the cards in your hand. You just have them laid out in front of you, and it's really nifty. Um, and seeing that uh, Duel of the Planewalker, the new version of it for Magic the Gathering, is going that same route, it was like the natural progression for it. And honestly, I can't wait for it. I have uh, Duels of the Planeswalker 2012. It's a great game. It's a fantastic game. Um, and I will gladly be buying this for the, the iPad to add it to my, my ever-growing list of amazing games that are just fantastic on the iOS. Well, one of the things with this one, too, was if you do have the, the new iPad, because of the Retina display, the cards look that much better. Not just in terms and of the, the graphic, but the I'm talking about the being able to read what they yep. are. So, And that's the big part of the game, of course, is reading the spells and reading everything on the cards. And here they did show video showing how crystal clear it is and beautiful. So the gameplay is going to be very nice because, again, you are going to be able to read everything and it, of course, looks jaw-droppingly gorgeous. So really looking forward to that and um the the other one that took a lot of people by surprise and i hadn't even heard about this was this star wars 1313 which you hadn't heard about it? i really? had not heard about it again though i'm i mean yes i i love the old republic and i've been playing but i'm just not a huge star wars nerd and i just had not had not even heard about it at all and they showed a lot of gameplay for this and it looks unbelievable holy crap either of you watch this it uh, looks really yeah. cool i mean i i gotta see more <laughs> but what they showed was pretty damn cool yeah, graphics wise it looks absolutely phenomenal like you're not you there's there's no question about that in my book i just want more i want more of it i want to see more of what's going on with it um i want to see more levels i want to see more fighting uh and i want more story well, the story that they were talking about, it did look like it was going to be interesting. Uh, again, we didn't get a ton. Agreed. But from what we did see, it it does look, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun to play. All right. So anything else that uh, you guys wanted to touch on briefly before we call it a night? Nino Kuni's going to be a great RPG. 
All right. Comes out uh, January. Uh, it's basically level five. Uh, the guys behind Professor Layton, Dark Cloud, uh, White Knight Chronicles, teaming up with Studio Ghibli, one of the top animation studios from Japan. And just it it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Great art style, great gameplay. I mean, come on, it's real time Pokemon. <laughs> you have these little monsters you can summon and, you know, you give them commands as they're running around the battlefield. It, I, I'm real. I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. All right, Joe. Uh, honestly, I've, I think we covered what I wanted to cover this week. I mean, Watch Dogs was my big, like, oh, my God, I want to play this game, which we already covered a couple times, and Transformers, so I'm content. Okay, good enough. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Thanks for everybody who came out to join us, and, of course, we are going to be back on Monday of next week. If you have any questions or comments or anything, you can do either on the site via comments at For the Lore, or you can email ForTheLore at gmail.com or on Twitter at For the Lore. So with that, we'll talk to you guys next week. Dragon's Dogma is a game we talked about quite a bit before its launch, but not at all in the intervening several weeks. Truth be told, while the game looked very promising, there wasn't quite enough there to make it a must-buy. On top of that, reviews for the game were all over the place, ranging from 4s to 9s, so it took a while to pull the trigger on a $60 purchase. Eventually, I learned enough about the game to decide it would be a worthwhile purchase for me, and I hope I can help some of you guys decide as well. To start, I have not yet finished the game. However, Dragon's Dogma is very much a game about the journey, not the destination. If anything, the game can only get better as it goes along, with the enemies getting bigger and more dangerous. The combat is easily half the draw of the game, if not more so. One of my more memorable encounters involved fighting a giant cyclops. Going in, I thought it was no big deal. One of the earliest encounters in the game was against a cyclops, and that was pretty easy. Except this one was wearing armor, and had a giant club, and was surrounded by bandits on the edge of a cliff. So yeah, not so easy. Once I finally eliminated the bandits, I set about attacking his hand to make him drop the weapon, attacking his legs to stagger him, and then finally attacking the head to finish it off. However, with the cyclops covered in armor, it required a focused effort by my party to bring him down, all the while trying to avoid his massive attacks with very little room to run. During the fight, my hired ranger pawn got knocked over the edge, and I had to decide between reloading a previous save or pressing on without him. Since I was close to my objective, I figured I'd be fine. Pro tip, fighting a chimera without your ranged damage dealer is not fun. But that's one of the things that makes Dragon's Dogma so interesting. You really never know what's around the next corner. Looking back at that Cyclops fight, though, the only reason I knew how to take him down in the first place was thanks to my pawns. One of my hired pawns was experienced in fighting a Cyclops and was yelling out battle orders the whole time. Without him there, I would have just been hacking away randomly. The pawn system is, without a doubt, the glue that holds the entire game together. It's what makes the combat so dynamic and fun. My character is a mystic knight, a warrior with magic buffs, and my pawn is a healing-focused mage. So, when I go searching for two more pawns in the rift, I'm usually looking for a tank and a ranger. There are any number of filters I can apply to my search, and it's quite simple to compare stats, skills, and inclinations between similar pawns. 
Yes, how you've trained your pawn to behave is just as important, if not more important, than their gear and skill loadout. Every time you rest at an inn, the data for your pawn is uploaded to the servers and they can be borrowed by other players. And then the next time you rest, your pawn returns from their voyage. The more time your pawn spends with another player, the more rift crystals you earn to spend on recruiting. Thankfully, I have developed my pawn quite well and she's been of great use to other players online, so I have tens of thousands of crystals in the bank to recruit powerful allies, making the game noticeably easier. However, for those with less useful pawns, let's just say, the game will frequently present you with fake hirings with small amounts of rift crystals as rewards, enough to keep you going. And for those without online connections, there are plenty of NPC pawns roaming the world to recruit. Though for those who are online, the random pawns will be drawn from a pool of player-created characters, giving the world's inhabitants a more varied appearance. It's all quite cool and definitely well implemented. And trust me, you'll be happy to have these pawns at your side, because Dragon's Dogma does not play around with its difficulty. I actually had to start the game over because I had completely screwed myself. I simply couldn't progress any farther. The only quests available to me were way too difficult and my character was underpowered. My main mistake was switching to Mystic Knight too soon. On my second character, I stayed as a fighter for longer, learning advanced shield and weapon tactics that came in handy when I finally did switch to the more advanced class. Planning out your character advancement is essential to success. For example, I'm considering switching my pawn from a mage to a sorcerer for a few levels to gain some of the bonuses from that class, and maybe even a few as a fighter or warrior for a health boost. However, sorcerers can't heal, so I'll have to rethink my recruited pawns. The more you plan before you leave town, the easier things will be outside. So why didn't I just change back to fighter instead of using my underpowered Mystic Knight? Well. Honestly, I couldn't afford to buy back the fighter gear I'd already sold, and since I couldn't kill any enemies, I couldn't earn more money. I thought I was in luck when I obtained a quest to go back to a previous area that I knew I could handle, but it turns out the NPC I needed didn't quite survive a previous escort quest. Yeah, not only did I fail the quest, but the NPC involved was now permanently dead in my game. While this isn't such a big deal on its own, do it enough times and you can screw yourself over pretty good. And, well, I definitely did it enough times. Combined with my other errors, I was at an impasse. I probably could have powered through, but starting over was just the easier option at that point. It's important to note, though, these weren't the game's failings, they were mine. It's been a while since I played a game that made me feel this way, and it's a welcome change from today's easy mode standard. But even if you build your character properly and don't completely screw yourself on the quests, the game still isn't a pushover. It has a habit of planting enemies that are just a bit tougher than you can easily handle in your path. One quest near the beginning is infamous for the bandits guarding the road. Thankfully, the combat is balanced enough that the experience was more rewarding than frustrating. If you plan and execute, the fights are winnable, assuming you're not in an area completely over your head. Then again, Dragon's Dogma doesn't try very hard to make sure that doesn't happen. There's really only one way to find out if you can kill that giant monster. There's one other aspect of the gameplay I'd like to focus on, and that's the exploration. Dragon's Dogma is a huge game. 
On one hand, this sucks because there's no fast travel system outside of a simple Hearthstone-style item. You're stuck traveling by foot the rest of the time. While many have complained about this, a good adventurer can do some exploring and find numerous shortcuts designed into the game. Also, having to manually travel everywhere plays into the game's day-night system. Quite simply, you do not want to be stuck outside at night. Reaching safety before nightfall becomes a huge part of the game once quests have you traveling far afield. During one particularly long quest, I just barely managed to reach a broken down fortress before the undead came out to play. Of course, it was still full of bandits. Once I defeated the bandits, I decided to stay inside through the night, giving me plenty of time to loot the place, probably more than I likely would have during the daytime because of the ever-ticking clock. Once I'd picked the fortress clean, I climbed to the top of the tower and looked down at the countryside. I could see the capital in the distance, its torches burning in the night, and I sat there watching the sunrise over the mountains. It was an awesome moment I never would have experienced if I could fast travel around. I can appreciate that. Now, to this point, there's one thing I haven't mentioned, and that's the story, because, well, there isn't much of one. It serves as purpose of driving the game from point A to point B, and as I said previously, it's all the stuff between those two points that's so interesting. It's not bad, it's just not particularly engaging. The writing is often simplistic, and much of the voice acting is weak and repetitive, especially with your pawns. Seriously, I never want to hear the word ought again after this game. Another weak point I have to bring up is the game's graphical performance. The entire game is already letterboxed, so the engine doesn't have to render as much of the world, yet it still suffers. The frame rate on the PS3 version crashes during many situations, while the 360 version has some significant screen tearing, particularly outdoors. I knew this going in and chose the 360 version because the screen tearing, while distracting, doesn't affect the gameplay at all. Your mileage may vary, and I suggest you watch a few videos online before you make your decision. In the end, Dragon's Dogma is a flawed yet fun experience. It doesn't hit all the marks, but when it does what it does best, it's a ton of fun and I'd say well worth playing. If you need any more convincing, just listen to this awesome theme song. <laughs>